Hello and welcome to Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Streaming live on iHeartRadio. Available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. love to hear from listeners you can shoot me an email the address is right now jimdaws at gmail.com and you can leave me a voicemail at 772-245-0750 that number is 772-245-0750 what a world what a world that was one crazy week it was just about well it was last sunday that the president announced that the uh, U.S. Army Special Forces, Delta Force, the Airborne, and and others, including Conan the Canine, were able to track down and bring justice to the most sadistic and uh, cruel terrorist on the face of the earth. I've heard arguments that uh, Osama bin Laden was worse, and of course he... Um, he was responsible for more American deaths. But uh, as far as just sheer brutality and sadisticness, is that a word? Uh, you cannot match Baghdadi, who, you know, loved to behead people on video and burn them in cages and drown them and run them over with tanks and all of this others. And, of course, you know uh, that the, the media reacted to Trump's announcement that he that uh, we had gotten Baghdadi by condemning Trump. They they spent the whole week, all the way up until yesterday, condemning Trump's announcement that we got Baghdadi. They, their their line is that he was taking credit for it. Now that may be a good narrative because nobody likes for somebody to take credit for uh, something that somebody else is responsible for, especially you know when they. Uh, the the people that brought justice to Baghdadi took great physical risks. But Trump did not take credit for it. As a matter of fact, his announcement sang the praises of our military from the mountaintops again and again, up to and including acknowledgement of the canine that was injured in the raid. But it made for a good narrative for them to, you know, uh, hate on Trump. So that was the the talking point, uh, let's see, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And then by yesterday, they had uh, they had changed their narrative to uh, say that uh, they didn't get Baghdadi because of Trump. They got Baghdadi in spite of Trump. Never mind that Trump was the one that, uh, that ordered uh, the U.S. military personnel to go in and wipe out ISIS and their strongholds destroyed their caliphate, sp- uh, uh, spread their fighters to the wind, sent Baghdadi into hiding, and then had the um, the fortitude and the faith in our military to authorize this raid right before an election season that, at, had it failed, would have been disastrous for his re-election uh, possibilities. But nevertheless, they were still... Let's see, five days after the announcement, um, 
condemning Trump, not Baghdadi, not not uh, looking at his cruelty and, and all of the atrocities that he committed or even celebrating his death. As a matter of fact, of course, the Washington Post and the New York Times wrote rather slavishly, um, almost grudgingly admiring Baghdadi and their uh, obituaries. And then yesterday, uh, apparently somebody had uh, sent out some talking points for the media of designed to further discredit Trump's uh, you know, uh, achievement in getting Baghdadi. I think it's because people were starting to see the contrast between what the president was doing, working for the American people, uh, trying to implement a, an America First agenda, taking no salary, and getting Baghdadi with what the Democrats were busying themselves with, which was desperately trying to remove this president during this impeachment vote yesterday. But this was the uh, the talking point that you heard again and again by Thursday. Not because of the president, mm-hmm. but in spite of him. Perhaps in spite of the president. In spite of President Trump. Despite the president's, quote, ineptitude. Largely in spite of. Largely in spite of. And not because of. And not because of Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, my God. Of course, the military deserves the credit for getting Baghdadi. Trump also deserves the credit for destroying the caliphate and creating the conditions that allowed the U.S. military to do their duty and and get, get Baghdadi. But they're so consumed with really a, psych, a psychopathic level of Trump derangement syndrome now that still five days later, they're beating on Trump. So there was an interesting sort of uh, a fiasco that developed yesterday with, uh, with the dog that we now know is named Conan, Conan the dog, uh, where uh, the Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's outfit, photoshopped uh, an image and put it out on Twitter of um, Trump hanging a, uh, a medal around the dog's neck. Now, the medal has a ribbon attached to it that matches the Medal of Honor, but they, uh, they in place of the actual Medal of Honor, which is our nation's highest military award, they, they uh, photoshopped in an image of a, uh, a medal with a dog paw on it. And, uh, and the president saw this and retweeted it. It was, it was uh, cute, brought, warmed the hearts of a lot of people, but not... Uh, not our mainstream media. Old Jim Acosta from CNN started tweeting out that he was searching the White House for the dog and couldn't find it. One of the uh, commentators for Voice of America actually was uh, tweeting out that he was questioning White House staff about the event. Now, this was an obvious Photoshop, and it was obviously in in good humor. But the, the media were actually trying to figure out a way to make this a negative story. And the Washington Post promptly contacted uh, a fellow named Mr. McLaughlin, who was uh, the subject of the image that uh, Ben Shapiro photoshopped. He was the, the guy that uh, actually received the Medal of Honor that they, uh, they cut out and put Conan, uh, the canine's image in. And they were trying to uh, uh, to pursue a narrative in their interview that, uh, 
Mr. McLaughlin uh, may have been offended by, by the president retweeting this image. Of course, Mr. McLaughlin, Medal of Honor winner, 73 years old in retirement now, is, is not someone who suffers from Trump deranged syndrome. He is a normal human being who said that he, he laughed and said he was certainly not offended. He said the Medal of Honor recipients accept on behalf of entire teams, especially those who do not return from battle, and that canines have long been a part of our war efforts. And he is quoted as saying, this recognizes the dog as part of the team of brave people. They are very courageous, he said, of the military canines. And he, he pointed out that, in fact, he worked with dogs during his service during Vietnam. So, so they approached this guy expecting maybe to find, you know, one of these social justice warriors. They find, found a normal a military veteran who went on after his service to teach high school and coach youth sports. And of course, of course, he said that he wasn't offended. He saw the humor in it. And as a matter of fact, he was concerned about, um, about whether Conine had made a, uh, a complete recovery. He had been a medic in Vietnam, and he said once a medic, always a medic. Well, I was, you know, I like to play uh, audio clips for you here, and I was able to find one of uh, a General McKenzie from CENTCOM, Central Command, uh, talking uh, about the dog, giving a short briefing on uh, the, the, the dog whose name we now know as Conan. I wanted to provide a little background information on this fine canine. U.S. Special Operation Command military working dogs are critical members of our forces. These animals protect U.S. forces, save civilian lives, separate combatants from non-combatants, and immobilize individuals who express hostile intent. This dog is a four-year veteran of the SOCOM canine program and, is, and has been a member of approximately 50 combat missions. He was injured by exposed live electrical cables in the tunnel after Baghdadi detonated his vest beneath the compound. I will also note he has been returned to duty. So he got shocked. I was wondering how he returned so quickly. I thought that uh, maybe he had been caught in the collapse after Baghdadi blew himself and his three children up, but apparently he was shocked by the uh, by the electrical cables down there. I, uh, I hope that uh, the members of Delta Force uh, um, are also getting all of the recognition they deserve. Uh, you know, for the, for the longest time, uh, the Navy SEALs, and I'm a Navy man, so uh, I, I'm very proud of them, but the Navy SEALs have been sort of hogging all the glory when it comes to these special operations, and I'm glad to see uh, the Delta Force uh, sort of back in the game. But guess who's coming to the White House next week? That's right. Conine the dog and the Delta Force that, uh, that uh, conducted this this uh, successful raid on Baghdadi and the uh, remnants of ISIS. They're coming, and um, of course, uh, you know, Greg Gutfeld's getting a lot of credit for bringing up the idea that Donald Trump should make Conine the White House dog. I actually said that on this show the morning before Gutfeld said it. I don't think it was an original idea. There's 300 and 30 million people in this country, and I bet a goodly number of them thought that, yes, Donald Trump doesn't have a dog. He should make um, the canine, the military canine, uh, the, the White House dog. 
But apparently uh, Conan's not ready for retirement yet. But he's coming to the White House next week. Uh, <laughs> Ann Coulter uh, tweeted out, she said that uh, Trump should roll around on the White House lawn with Conan and throw him little bits of Baghdadi. <laughs> ah, that would be great. I hope uh, I hope Conan behaves himself. These uh, military dogs can be... Um, can be aggressive. The last thing you'd want is him taking a, uh, a snarling at the president of the United States, but we're going to run out to a break now. When we come back, we're going to get to this depressing, dispiriting, ridiculous exercise that the Democrats have got going on in the Senate, uh, this impeachment jihad stick with us and we'll be right back. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more. So I'm getting a little tired of hearing what a, uh, a genius, a political genius, Nancy Pelosi is, and she's an old war horse and knows how to, uh, you know, work the levers up on Capitol Hill. As near as I can tell, she's made an absolute hash out of this uh, this frenzied effort to impeach the president. And uh, you know, after resisting uh, moving forward with an impeachment require, uh, uh, inquiry and putting. Uh, her members on the spot to vote on it and exposing them to political retribution from the president's supporters. She finally uh, capitulated yesterday and allowed this uh, impeachment inquiry to come to a vote. And this was after, of course, proceeding for uh, um, one month and one week on this unauthorized, illegitimate, illicit, impeachment um, hoax that Adam Schiff had going on down in the star chamber of the House Intelligence Committee, behind closed doors, not offering due process, leaking, trying to craft a public narrative. Nancy was taking so much heat for the way that that was going down, and it was starting to sink in in the American consciousness that she – she put her members on the spot yesterday and made them vote on an impeachment inquiry. And all but two of the Democrats voted uh, to move forward with that. It was uh, a Democrat from New Jersey and one from Minnesota, both of them in uh, highly um, Trump districts, <clears throat> voted to try to save their own skin. And voted against it. But you remember when Nancy said, well, we're not going to move forward with an impeachment inquiry unless we have bipartisan support. Well, all that is down the drains now because every Republican voted against this. And the only uh, bipartisanship was was shown by two of her Democrat caucus um, voting against it as well. And this, this whole thing um, was designed to try to say um, – 
that they were giving due process to the president after denying it to him for the last month, uh, you know, almost 40 days. But what it does, the resolution, if you read it, is actually engineered to give the appearance of due process. They've got a lot of flowery words in there, and then they have, you know, clauses at the end that cancel out the due process. So it's designed to give the appearance of due process while, in fact, denying the president and the Republicans due process. And they vested the power of this impeachment inquiry not in the Judiciary Committee where it properly belongs and has happened in the past in the three previous uh, impeachment efforts, uh, Johnson, Nixon, and Clinton, uh, but it puts it in the hands of Adam Schiff and his House Intelligence Committee, the most dishonest, disreputable, um, partisan hack you could pick in the House of Representatives, she's giving this this impeachment inquiry to him. And again, I say, I don't believe she's, she's this great political genius at all because if you're making Adam Schiff, bug-eyed, pencil-neck Adam Schiff, the face of this impeachment effort, well, you couldn't do any more damage to the Democrat Party. He's going to be on TV constantly he is a um well he's a repulsive individual and he's at this point you know thoroughly discredited he has been on uh tv for the last uh two and a half years now repeatedly saying that he has seen conclusive evidence that the president colluded with vladimir putin in order to interfere in the 2016 election of course mueller who had a huge staff, a huge huge budget, and took over two years to issue a report, said none of that happened. And then Adam Schiff just dropped the topic, never told us about all of this evidence that he claimed to be privy to. So Nancy Pelosi took to the House, you know, trying to rally her troops um, yesterday. And uh, here's how she framed this impeachment effort. At stake... And all of this is nothing less than our democracy. I proudly stand next to the flag, and I thank the gentleman from New York for providing it for us, this flag. So many have fought and died for this flag, which stands for our democracy. When Benjamin Franklin came out of Independence Hall, you've heard this over and over. Over and over On September and over. 17th, 1787, the day our Constitution was adopted, he came out of Independence Hall and people said to him, Dr. Franklin, what do we have, a monarchy or a republic? That's not what and he said. And he said, as you know, he said, a republic, if we can keep it. If we can keep it. And this Constitution is the blueprint for our republic and not a monarchy. But when we have a president. So wrap your mind around that. Um, she is impeaching Donald Trump for allegedly um, trying to get the Ukrainians to look into the, um, the part of the Russiagate hoax that originated in the Ukraine and Joe Biden's corruption. So 
understand it now, the Democrats, led by Nancy Pelosi, are saving our nation. They're preserving our democracy. They're protecting the Constitution by impeaching Trump for asking about Joe Biden's obvious graft and corruption in the Ukraine. <laughs> you know, they've tried to put these high-minded descriptions of what they're doing here uh, forward for a long time. She's talking about, you know, we're not a monarchy. Well, President Trump hasn't done anything to interrupt the democratic process. He hasn't, he's obeyed the courts. He hasn't, you know, called troops out in the streets or anything. The president's crime that he's being impeached for is because he was on the phone with the new reform-minded president of the Ukraine and asked about Joe Biden's plainly evident graft and corruption with regard to his son, Hunter Biden, who took millions and mil millions of dollars out of the Ukraine. And Joe Biden is credibly accused of, by a, a, a member of parliament in the Ukraine of taking $900,000 himself. <laughs> so as I said, despite their rhetoric, the Democrats' uh, resolution denies due process to the president. The president prevents the Republicans or the president from calling any witnesses that Schiff doesn't approve of. And... Um, and Nancy Pelosi is up there saying that, uh, oh, you know, we haven't made up our minds yet. Uh, we haven't decided about impeachment. This, pro uh, this process, these open hearings, seeking the truth and making it available to the American people will inform Congress on the very difficult decisions we will have to make in the future as to whether to impeach the president. That decision has not been made. Really? That's what the inquiry will, will investigate and then we can make the decision based on the truth. I don't know why the Republicans are afraid of the truth. So if you believe that the Democrats haven't already made up their minds that they're going to impeach this president, you haven't been paying attention to what they've been uh, saying, well, hell, ever since they took office. Let's see if we got time for this little clip right here. After impeach this president began an impeachment proceeding. I support impeachment. 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 It's impeachment process. Impeachment process. Impeachment. Impeach movement. Impeachment. 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 They want to erase your vote like it never existed. They want to erase your voice and they want to erase your future. But they will fail because in America, the people rule again. The only message these radical socialists and extremists will understand is a crushing defeat on November 3rd, 2020. So all of those clips at the beginning of that montage where all the Democrats are on the, the uh, news shows lobbying for impeachment, they took place well before this latest whistleblower scandal. They were determined to impeach Donald Trump since before he came into office, and now we're supposed to take them seriously that because he asked about Joe Biden's corruption in the Ukraine, that is an impeachable offense. Not Joe Biden. Joe Biden's not to be held accountable. The president is to be impeached for asking about it. That's where we're at. Biden's been credibly accused of taking millions of dollars in bribes and kickbacks for himself and his family. But Donald Trump 
is going to be impeached for asking about it. We've got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll take a little bit more look at this, and then we'll take a look at the deep state's involvement right after these messages on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Stick with us. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. A daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America first perspective. Remember, you can get in touch with the show at my email address is rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com. You can weigh in on the conversation over at Twitter. My handle is rightnowjimdawes. And you can leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from listeners. That number is 772-245-0750. I got a lot of good email last week. <laughs> More than any other topic I have ever received email on was the uh, Conan the Dog Uh Man's best friend really does uh, generate a lot of uh, affection and strong feelings. And I got uh, dozens and dozens of emails on Conan the dog. Well, we're talking about this impeachment process of the Democrats, this jihad that they've got going on in the House of Representatives. So I played you Nancy's argument in favor of impeachment, and I want to bring you now um, Steve Scalise's response. He is the Republican whip for the, uh, for the house of representatives. After impe- Oop, that's not the clip. Let me get it right. In fact, in this resolution, it allows the chair to veto even the ability for the president to have legal counsel in the room. If the chair chooses at his whim, they can literally kick out the president's legal counsel. This is unprecedented. It's not only unprecedented, This is Soviet-style rules. Maybe in the Soviet Union, you do things like this, where only you make the rules, where you reject the ability for the person you're accusing to even be in the room, to question what's going on, for anybody else to call witnesses, when only one person has the right to call witnesses. And as we saw just the other day, the chairman was literally directing the witness to not answer certain questions by the Republicans. What kind of fairness is that? Maybe you think it's fairness if you can run roughshod over somebody because you've got the votes, but that's not how impeachment was supposed to go. In fact, Alexander Hamilton himself, during the debate on the Constitution in the Federalist Papers, Alexander Hamilton warned of days like this, and I quote, the greatest danger is that the decision on impeachment will be regulated more by the comparative strength of parties than by the real demonstrations of innocence or guilt. Alexander Hamilton warned about days like today. This is not what we should be doing, clearly. This is an entirely partisan process. I say entirely. Two, two Democrats did vote against the, uh, the resolution, but it passed 232 um, 
with all the Democrats except for two in favor and 196, all of the Republicans voted against it. So, um, you know, this is a transparently a partisan um, attack on the president. The Democrats have not accomplished anything since they came to, uh, you know, took, retook the majority in the House of Representatives one year ago. They're just pursuing this impeachment uh, to the exclusion of all others. And it, it is striking that um, two of the leaders, actually three of the leaders of this uh, process, Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, and Maxine Waters, from California, their home state is literally on fire, sinking into the third world, cannot keep the electricity supplied. And Nancy and uh, Schiff and Mad Maxine are up on Capitol Hill spending all of their time and energy not on trying to get any relief for California and, and you know reach out to this administration, but on, on trying to remove the President of the United States. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, you keep hearing, you know, Nancy Pelosi is a political genius. She has put, stamped the face of this impeachment effort for the Democrats with Adam Schiff. And I just got to believe, you know, I'm usually right about these things. I don't know for a fact that I will be. I was right about Donald Trump was going to be reelected when 99% of the rest of the um, uh, media believed that uh, there was no way in hell it was going to happen. But uh, I just got to believe that this is going to uh, backfire on the Democrats and they are going to set up a landslide re-election for the president and get themselves turned out of their majority in the House. Nancy was on there yesterday saying, well, you know, we didn't really want to do this. This, pro- uh, this process, these open hearings seeking the truth. I've got to get myself straight on these clips today. Here it is. Come on now. To nobody, I doubt anybody in this place or anybody that you know comes to Congress to take the oath of office, comes to Congress to impeach the president of the United States. I am not running for anything except the impeachment of Trump. <laughs> because we're going to go in there, we're going to impeach some mother- hey! On the impeachment of Donald Trump, would you vote yes or no? I would vote yes. I would vote. I would vote to impeach. I doubt anybody in this place comes to Congress to impeach the president of the United States. No, Nancy, you are wrong. They've been talking about uh, impeaching this president since before he took office. You have let them hijack your caucus. You are letting them take your new House majority right down the tubes with you, and you have helped them out by empowering Adam Schiff and his star chamber for the last uh, 37 days and now turning over the uh, the head, uh, the the lead position, the face of this impeachment to Adam Schiff, who, who claims that uh, he's just tore up over all of this. This is a solemn day in the history of our country when the president's misconduct has compelled us to continue to move forward with an impeachment inquiry. We take no joy in having to move down really? this road and proceed with the impeachment inquiry. Really? But neither do we shrink from it. <laughs> oh, pencil neck. Have you noticed that this effort um, in the uh, the House 
in the the leadership and in the uh, intel committee and the judiciary committee and the oversight committee and and uh, the banking committee, all of these uh, these partisans that are desperately pursuing Trump. Have you noticed one thing about them? Nancy Pelosi, Democrat California. Adam Schiff, Democrat California. Jerry Nadler, Democrat New York. Maxine Waters, Democrat California. Elliot Engels, Democrat New York. And when it gets over to the Senate, it's going to be taken over and driven by Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York. New York and California, two of the uh, the biggest Democrat states that are absolute mess, by the way, want to tell the rest of the nation who we are and who we are not allowed to elect. They, uh, they are running this effort. San Francisco, Nancy Pelosi's hometown, falling apart. Homelessness can't keep the crap off the streets. Same with Adam Schiff from Los Angeles. Maxine Waters won't even live in her home district. She, she doesn't live in the home district and hasn't for decades. She lives in a mansion in an upscale uh, part of Los Angeles and represents a section, I think, that includes Compton and, and other rundown areas in Los Angeles. Mike Shields uh, went on CNN and uh, and they actually allowed a little bit of truth to leak through on their air. This is not he's not going to be found guilty in the Senate once the House impeaches him. It's not going to happen. And it's not because he's a bully. It's because the voters don't want it to happen. The voters are the, the actual jury. They're the ones who call these senators and call these House members. They're going to hold the House members accountable. And the senators don't want to go home and explain why they well, voted to find someone guilty because a member of the NSC didn't like what he said on a phone the, call that we have the transcript. The polling. It's going to be an interesting dynamic when it gets over there. The president's most certainly not going to be removed. They will never get two-thirds majority in the Republican Senate to remove the president. The, the real battle is to keep them from getting a bare majority of 51 votes. Right now, I think uh, that uh, there's a possibility that uh, Pierre Delecto and uh, Susan Collins and um, Murkowski of Alaska might vote with the Democrats. So they would just need one more vote in order to to get a majority of 51 votes. If they do that, then that would be a stain on this presidency and on our choice for president. Because they could say, well, he wasn't removed, but he's illegitimate. Uh, clearly, both houses of Congress had a majority that said that uh, he should be impeached and removed. So the big development in uh, Adam Schiff's star chamber that is still going on uh, yesterday was uh, the testimony of a a member of the National Security Council named Tim Morrison. He's in charge of weapons of mass destruction or something of that sort. And he was another one of these uh, these people that were listening in on the conversation. And the big headline that the New York Times and the Washington Post were able to generate out of this was that uh, he confirmed that there was a quid pro quo. Now, I don't know if that's what he did because uh, I didn't see the testimony or the cross-examination. So you don't know. You just have to take the word of the uh, never Trump media for that. But um, Catherine Herridge, who still works at Fox News, although she has announced that she's going to be moving over to CBS, which is a huge loss for conservative media. Catherine Herridge was um, 
the best investigative reporter up on Capitol Hill, bar none. Now she's going over to the dark side. I have no doubt they're going to be spiking her stories left and right. I would imagine they offered her a huge amount of money is all I can figure. But um, she reported on um, Morrison's testimony, and it was contrary to what the, uh, uh, the mainstream media was telling us. Been able to get a readout of some of Morris's deposition. It's one of these situations where you want to be a fly on the wall so you can have the whole picture. But let me share with you and the folks at home what I've learned in the last few minutes. I was told that Morrison felt, and he led this to investigators, that he was concerned immediately after the July 25th phone call that it could leak into what he described as a highly polarized environment. He also told investigators that he was very concerned the call would have an impact on bipartisan support for Ukraine and that he was also concerned about how it might affect Ukraine's perception of the United States. Morrison was asked if there was anything illegal or a quote inappropriate demand on the call and his response was no. He was also taking a line of questioning about Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman. You remember he was just recently here for a closed door deposition. And what he said of Vindman, who was, Morrison was like Vindman's direct report, if you will. He said that at the time of the call, he expressed concern about how it might impact bipartisan support for Ukraine. He also expressed concern about the accuracy or the fidelity of the transcript. But Morrison said he did not express concern about any kind of inappropriate or improper demand. Finally, on Vindman, Morrison said, and I think this may be significant going down the road, that he was warned about Vindman's judgment. I don't have more on that, but he was warned about Vindman's judgment. And he also told investigators that there was at least one episode that he was aware of where Vindman went outside the chain of command, and this would conflict or undercut Vindman's opening statement about always ex- uh, respecting the chain of command, especially on these issues like Ukraine. Went outside the chain of command. You recall on yesterday's show, I, I pointed out that Alexander Vindman may have been responsible for leaking information about this phone call to the whistleblower. And if he did, that was definitely a, a, a violation of his his charge as a member of the National Security Council. If he was the source for the whistleblower, the whistleblower was a CIA anal- a analyst and had a, a clearance, but he was no longer in that position and did not have the need to know. So this may explain why Vindman is marching his butt up there to try to make himself untouchable in all of this. But the takeaway here is there was nothing illegal or improper about this. This is thoroughly within the president's scope of authority to uh, to uh, make uh, military aid conditioned on, on certain um, actions. And getting to the bottom of uh, the corruption in the Ukraine, both regards to the 2016 election and with regards to um, Joe Biden and his son Hunter reaping millions of dollars out of there, on threat of, uh, of withholding a billion dollars in aid, most certainly is a legitimate line of inquiry. So there's no, uh, the, the Democrats' impeachment effort doesn't cite any crime. Despite all their high-minded rhetoric, it doesn't uh, cite any violation of the Constitution. Basically, it's, uh, it says that uh, we don't like Trump, we don't, uh, we don't agree with his foreign policy, and so we're going to impeach him. 
We're going to run out to a break, and when we come back, we're going to take a closer look at Alexander Vindman, the uh, lieutenant colonel, army lieutenant colonel that the media has been telling you for the last several days that you are not allowed to question. Stick with us. We'll be right back. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So the big picture is starting to come together now. We, uh, we know the identity of the so-called whistleblower. And we're also starting to learn a little bit more about uh, Alexander Vindman and his uh, associations and what he may be motivated by. Uh, the, the media was telling us uh, for the last week that, uh, you know, any examination of his testimony or his associations and motives is off limits because he's in the uniform. They never said anything like that about General Michael Flynn or uh, Tulsi Gabbard. As a matter of fact, they were both called traitors who were puppets of Vladimir Putin. But Alexander Vindman, you see, is off limits because if you look at uh, Vindman's actions and his associations, you you think, well, maybe he's not uh, a, a, a completely objective um, witness with regards to Ukraine policy and this president. First of all, he is probably the source for the whistleblower, and that is why Adam Schiff was determined not to let him answer any questions with that regard. And if he is, then he is uh, guilty of leaking we know that the whistle. We now know that the whistleblower is a, a highly partisan political operative, a, a Democrat partisan uh, who has, you know, worked to elect Hillary Clinton. He's a protege of uh, of John Brennan. So if Vindman was leaking to this whistleblower, uh, there's uh, there's something that needs to be explored right there. He was class uh, uh, trafficking and uh, privileged communications that um, that that the whistleblower, uh, Ciaramella, would not have any uh, need to know. And we know that Vindman was uh, communicating with Ukrainian officials who were contacting him because he was uh, born in the Ukraine and uh, you know has that uh, in his portfolio at the NSC, asking how they could get around Donald Trump. What was the best way to overcome and, uh, and deal with uh, the administration's policies with regard to Ukraine. We also know now that Alexander Vindman is uh, connected to the Atlantic Council, the group that is funded by George Soros and Burisma, and which has been the source of a lot of this um, uh, anti-Trump um, effort in the Ukraine also tied with overturning the, the coup that overturned the duly elected government in Ukraine. 
so this this part of the story is going to develop further, um, and I, I think it's going to come out in the end that Alexander Vindman is probably tied in with the resistance movement inside this administration. And you got to ask yourself, uh, you know, why? How did Ukraine policy and military aid to Ukraine become off limits to the elected president of the United States? Why is he not allowed to make any decisions on that or or try to get to the bottom of what went on in the Ukraine under the the uh, the puppet governments that had been installed by the Obama administration, including Hillary Clinton and John Kerry. I'll tell you one thing, though. If I if I was the president of the United States, which probably won't happen, I'll admit that. Going forward, I would not allow any any member of the deep state to listen to my phone calls. If you allow uh, any of these people to listen or record anything that you say to a foreign head of the state, you're a fool at this point. As a matter of fact, if if I were this president, I would start off by um, getting rid of any uh, of this White House staff that uh, came over from the Obama administration. I would also start trying to starve this deep state bureaucracy and shrink it down to a manageable size. I mentioned that we, uh, you know, we now know the identity of the whistleblower, Eric Ciamella. He is a partisan operator. He uh, assisted the Clinton campaign with uh, its contacts with the Ukrainian embassy, trying to, uh, and um, I can't remember her first name, but um, Chalupa, a former uh, deep state operative herself that was working for the Clinton campaign. Eric Ciamella was uh, assisting her. You know, and he was at one time a member of the National Security Council when Trump first came into the White House. One of the first leaks that came out of the White House was President Trump's calls to the president of Mexico and the prime minister of Australia. And I would like to know where whether Eric Ciamella was the guy responsible for those leaks, entire transcripts of the calls of the president of the United States with Mexico and Australia's leaders, were leaked to the New York Times and the Washington Post. Eric Ciamella was in a position to do that. I want to know if that if he was responsible for it. His identity is now known. It is no longer a secret. So the Republicans need to cross-examine him. They'll put him on the witness list, and Adam Schiff will say, no, 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 we're not allowed to ask him any questions. There was an interesting quote that happened yesterday. A former... Um, deputy um, director for the CIA and, and former acting director, his name is John McLaughlin, was on one of these panels with uh, John Brennan and said this in, in front of God and the whole world. Thank God for the deep state. <laughs> I mean, I think... You know, everyone here has seen this progression of diplomats and intelligence officers and White House people trooping up to Capitol Hill right now and saying these are people who are doing their duty or responding to a higher call. Thank God for the deep state who, you know, they used to deny, well, there's no deep state. You're being a conspiracy theorist. They're not out to get Trump. You're just being a conspiracy theorist. But now that you see all of these uh, these deep state resistance actors 
marching up there. They're admitting it. And a former head of the CIA is sitting on the stage with the with John Brennan, who is responsible for a lot of this, says, thank God for the deep state and their check. This These unelected um, spies inside the uh, administration who were trying to engineer this coup to overturn the will of the people. That was really shocking to hear and sort of grated on the uh, uh, the ears. Well, you know, one of the things, uh, this, this news cycle moving so fast, it pushes important stories uh, under the rug, and uh, we've sort of lost any interest, or the mainstream media has, I should say, in the uh, story of Jeffrey Epstein and his, uh, his connections and whether or not, in fact, he met his end in that federal prison, supposed to be in a cell by himself. And uh, a, an attorney for Epstein's family was on Fox and Friends a couple of days ago. His, I think his name is Joseph Bodden. He is uh, one of the preeminent forensic uh, pathologists in the country and said that um, this does not look like a suicide to him. I was asked by the brother, the next of kin, to be at the autopsy. Mm -hmm. And at the autopsy on day one, there were findings that were unusual for suicidal hanging and more consistent with uh, ligature homicidal strangulation. By by hanging, uh, at the time he was found allegedly hanging by uh, a uh, homemade ligature of sheets, I think that the evidence points toward homicide rather than suicide because there are multiple three fractures in the hyoid bone, the thyroid cartilage, that are very unusual for suicide and more uh, uh, indicative of strangulation, homicidal strangulation, more consistent with homicide. And in fact, at the time of the autopsy, the doctor doing the autopsy wasn't, uh, didn't think there was enough information to say suicide, so she put it... Well- pending further study, and then for some reason, and they want to know, uh, the family wants to know why was the change from pending further study to homicide after? Well, they took a, a fingernail scra- uh, 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 clippings to see if there's anybody else's DNA on it, and that hasn't been released. Neither has the information about the, whose DNA is on the ligature. There's a, it was, a ligature was made out of torn strips of uh, orange uh, sheets. And whoever uh, made it had to put, uh, have a lot of DNA on it. And uh, the brother's been asking that from day one. You know, you have to ask yourself, does anyone, anyone at this point believe that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide? The amount of the comedy or the tragedy of, no, the comedy, the comedy of errors that had to align for Jeffrey Epstein and uh, to be able to commit suicide is unbelievable. He had about 20 different things that had to happen for this suicide, so-called suicide, to take place. They had to release him from Suicide Watch that no psychologist would have ever done in, in this, under these circumstances. Just a week after he had supposedly attempted to commit suicide, you had to have two guards both sleeping at the same time who had been assigned numerous uh, overtime shifts. He had to have the cameras outside of his his uh, cells, both malfunctioning. 
And, and the physical evidence now points to about an 85% chance that this was not a suicide. It was in the, the physical evidence that it was, in fact, a strangulation. And he had uh, you know, been assaulted by his previous cellmate, who was still just a few cells down. There's only been one other suicide in the 40-year history of that, uh, of that correction institution. And that guy was a mobster. And his suicide is also very suspicious because he was set to testify against uh, other uh, members of the mafia. If you believe at this point that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide, then I've got a very uh, a bridge slightly used that I can make you a very good deal on. And what I want to know is, are anybody going to get to the bottom of this and, and look at who had the motivation to kill Jeffrey Epstein and why hasn't his, uh, his madam, the one that procured his underage victims, been arrested? Well, that's it for today's show. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network for another edition of Right Now. We'll talk to you then. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Ziplining across a vast valley, roasting s'mores beside the lake, whitewater rafting, relaxing beside an ocean view pool. Well, trying to at least. There are lots of great things to dream about doing in South Carolina. So when you're ready to visit, South Carolina is ready to make those dreams a reality. From a classic road trip to a relaxing weekend getaway, South Carolina is open for discovery. Start planning today at discoversouthcarolina.com.